0: Hello and welcome. I'm Jeffrey Mishlove. Today we'll be exploring the bishop and the medium, and by that I mean Bishop James Pike, the Episcopalian bishop of California, and Ina Twig, the British medium. It's a great story story of high drama. Uh, but larger than that, we're going to be looking at the life and career of Ina Twigg and the relationship between the Anglican Church and the spiritualist movement. My guest today is Roy stemmen He is the former editor of the weekly newspaper, The Psychic News, published in England. He is author of many books, including the Big Book of Reincarnation, One Soul, Many Lives, Mysteries of the Universe, Surgeon from Another World, about which we've done a previous program, Spirits and Spirit Worlds, Healers and Healing, Spirit Communication, and the focus of today's interview, Medium Rare – the Psychic Life of Ina Twig. Roy is based in the UK, and now I'll switch over to the internet video. Welcome, Roy. It's a great pleasure to be with you once again. Thank you, Jeffrey. It's good
1: to be back with you.
0: We're going to be talking about the life of uh, the great 20th century medium, Ina Twigg. One of the things that struck me right off the bat in reading your book about her, which I know was originally written back in, I think, 1971, is that uh, she was very close with the Anglican Church and helped to sort of bridge the gap between the spiritualist community and the Anglican or the Christian community
1: That's correct Um, but I think she would be the first to emphasize that uh, although she would probably have called herself a Christian, she was first and foremost a spiritualist and a medium Um, It just so happened I think that the people that were being sent to her uh, and were hearing about her were uh, Christian ministers, um, people who, um, were respected as, uh, religious leaders, in fact. Uh, so it was, it was just, I would say it was luck more than design.
0: Well, you ha- had the you know, forward to your book written by the, if I remember correctly, the Bishop of Southwark.
1: Yes, we pronounce it Southwark. That's the English pronunciation. Um, The Bishop of Southwark, Mervyn Stockwood, uh, was a very uh, influential person in the Anglican Church. Uh, He had an interest in the paranormal and in psychic research. And he and the canon who was... Uh, working with him at the at the, uh, Southwark Cathedral, which is just in South London, um, his name was Canon John Pierce Higgins. Both had um, a, an interest in psychic research and were looking to find evidence from from good mediums, and so inevitably they were attracted to uh, to Ina Twig.
0: And one of the things you report in the book, an episode that I found really fascinating, is the uh, committee that was set up by the Archbishop of Canterbury back in the 1930s to investigate spiritualism and report upon it.
1: That's right. Um, I should explain that I came to know Ina Twig at a time when I was assistant editor of an, a weekly spiritualist newspaper called Psychic News Um, and so we reported on her meetings uh, and on uh, uh, readers who had been to have sittings uh, with her Um, and it was Psychic News which way back in the uh, 30s if I remember correctly uh, challenged the church of England To publish a report that it had prepared uh, into spiritualism so it it had I wouldn't say it was a secret report but because people obviously knew it was happening and they were investigating it um, and everybody expected that the church's report on spiritualism uh, would be published once it was concluded and instead of it they sat on it and you might ask yourself why would they sit on a report having uh, proclaimed their interest in examining spiritualism? Uh, and the answer you might come up with is that the conclusion of the report wasn't what they were expecting, uh, in fact it, it was favorable to spiritualism. Uh, whereas most Anglican uh, ministers would were dead against it and if you said to a Uh, a minister in the church, I think I'm going to have a sitting with a medium to see if my dead mother or father can communicate. They would have warned you against the perils of doing so and uh, dreadful things might happen to you. Um, So, Psychic News got its hands on a copy of the report and it did so clearly from and somebody who was on the committee who was unhappy with the fact that having put all the effort into exploring spiritualism uh, and the evidence for life after death the church was not prepared to then publish the findings so psychic news broke broke the news on that um, and i think it was soon after that that the church's fellowship for psychical and spiritual studies was set up in england to look, uh, look at ways in which Christianity could embrace uh, some of the aspects of spiritualism, particularly uh, mediumship. And in America there was the Spiritual Frontiers Fellowship which uh, was doing much, much the same work as well.
0: So, there's this informal link, I guess you'd have to say, between the spiritualist community and the Anglican Church, which uh, although it it never got so far as to be uh, part of the official theology of of the Anglican Church, uh, there there are many lines of communication that were opened up.
1: Absolutely, yes. And some of them became brave brave enough to talk about what they were experiencing. And the Bishop of Southwark, uh, Mervyn Stockwood, was one of them. Uh, Canon Piers Higgins was another, and there were others as well that were quite happy to uh, speak out. In fact, um, both of them were quite unconventional in, in their Approach even to Christianity. Um, for example, Canon Pierce Higgins uh, made made it public at the time he became a canon of Southwark uh, Cathedral that two of the articles of Christianity that he was supposed to sign up to, he was he did not agree with, um, and he made that very clear. He became headline news in the newspapers uh a lot of people wanted him kicked out of the church but he stayed on and uh and and did a very good job of making people aware of spiritualism and he and uh, Mervyn Stockwood together uh, found Ina Twigg to be a very useful medium uh, to send people to when they uh, had uh, members of the congregation or others who were distraught at having lost somebody. And the Christian message of uh, life after death uh, just wasn't sufficient. People were looking for real evidence that somehow their loved ones had had survived. And they were quite open about that, which was was good for spiritualism and for Christianity as well. And I'm under the impression
0: that the striking characteristic of Ina Twigg as a medium wasn't necessarily that she was a better medium than many others who were practicing spiritualists, but that everybody understood she had uh, impeccable integrity. People uh, never questioned her honesty.
1: That's correct, Uh, though I have to say that Canon Pierce Higgins was very much a psychical researcher as well as uh, a Christian minister and he was quite prepared to criticize aspects of her mediumship um, and I, th- he, I think he said to me at one time it's really difficult to know where extrasensory perception might end and spirit communication actually begins um, and I think this is a problem that anybody that's had a sitting with a medium um, will, will have come across they will be thinking he or she is reading my mind and dressing it up to sound as if it is a spirit communication um, but as far as uh, the Bishop of Southwark was concerned he was absolutely uh, convinced of her integrity and certainly and we're going back a long time so it was the days before the internet and all the Easy way is of doing research about people, and quite often, individuals that went to sit with Ina Twigg uh, hadn't their their identity had not been given to her. So, for example, uh, Canon Pierce Higgins and uh, Mervyn Stockwood both took people to her without giving her any information in advance. So there was no way she could have prepared for. Uh, 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 looking looking for any evidence and uh, and the results were always significant I must say Well let's talk about uh, Ina Twigg's background In fact I've been doing some digging because the book I published was a very long time ago and it was published to coincide with a major event which I know you'll question me about very shortly um, uh, so I won't touch on that yet but Uh, that event led to my writing the book Um, I've now had access to the psychic news digitized archive which goes right back to 32 and there's a wealth of other good material that didn't get into the book uh, that I now have at my disposal and so I'm talking to my publisher about actually expanding the book and republishing it because I feel uh, her credentials are such that she really does deserve to be uh, uh, well known, even even in the twenty first century.
0: She died, as I recall, sometime in the nineteen
1: eighties. That's correct. Yes, and her husband Harry uh, predeceased her by about five or six years, I think, uh, and they were a remarkable team. They, they had begun in spiritualist churches as healers. Um, and there's a particularly nice spiritualist church in central London called the London Spiritual Mission. And they both worked there uh, as healers for a long, a long time. It was Harry who was the main healer, uh, I believe, and uh, Ina would go with him to assist with patients. And then uh, in time her mediumship took over and uh, you know, that, was, that became the main reason for her uh, doing, doing things. So uh, it, it was a partnership that went right back to the war years, in fact. Um, and her earliest childhood, uh, even when she was seeing what she described as misty people uh, she was seeing people that uh, she didn't recognize but they seemed to be around I know we hear lots of children having imaginary friends uh, for Ina they were misty people but they weren't children they were adults and occasionally she would recognize somebody or give information about them which other members of the family recognized immediately so uh, her mediumship uh, had begun in a very early stage and then it slowly developed in spiritualist uh, churches.
0: Well, you know, in our previous interview about the George Chapman mediumship, uh, we discussed probably one of the most impressive instances of healing involving uh, spirits from the other side. But as I read your book about Ina Twigg's illness and how she was healed herself by uh, Spiritual beings. That that story seemed just as striking as the
1: uh, return of Doctor William Lang. It was a turning point in her life because uh, I think everyone was expecting she would she would die, uh, but she was told that that wasn't going to happen. She had a mission to fulfil, uh, and slowly she she recovered from from it, and she attributes that to spirit helpers. Who, who were with her.
0: As I recall, Roy, uh, the spirit helpers uh, brought her back from the brink of death and then they told her to write down a particular address and that she should show up at that address and tell the people there that uh the, the it was given to her as a, a spiritual message and her husband Harry uh, argued you can't just do that you can't go to somebody's house like that and say a spirit told you to show up uh, but she insisted and he went with her and uh that's when their affiliation with the spiritualist community began
1: That's right, and also she. uh, there was a a famous London medium called Louisa Bolt, um, and uh, Ina and Harry Twigg knew of her, uh, and one day somebody knocked at their door and had a message from her to say that uh, her spirit guide had said to tell Ina that she would soon be on spiritualist platforms, giving messages. Uh, Ina was actually in the bathroom at the time. Harry took, uh, answered the door and took the message and he said, oh, I'll let her know. And then he called up the stairs and said, "Um, apparently you're going to be on the the platform giving messages soon. And they both fell about laughing, but um, obviously spirits seem to be uh, having plans for them. And that's exactly what happened when she went to a spiritualist church Soon after, as a member of the congregation, the medium they were expecting didn't turn up. And so the president, who knew that she had developing psychic abilities, approached her and said, would you mind taking over and taking the platform? And she did, and uh, that was there was no turning back after that. Although I, I'm going to correct myself by saying that there was a turning back in that later probably 15 or 20 years later, she decided the time had come or she was possibly uh, impressed to to stop doing platform work altogether and to just give sittings from home privately um, and she found that worked much better in terms of the the evidence that uh, she was giving. Because one of the things about being a platform medium is not only are you supposed to channel spirit evidence, but you've got to entertain the rest of the audience who are not getting a message and so there's a lot of showmanship that comes out of of a platform medium Um, and they do it very well uh, and that's that's not to denigrate their abilities but it is a a way of communicating uh, with everybody that's present. For Ina Twig she found being at home in what she called her sitting room, which was a room just for sittings with uh, people that came for for evidence of a life after death, Um, she could get much better results just within that calm, quiet uh, interior.
0: You report that she had a a close relationship with, if I have the name correct, Rosamund Lehman, a a well-known... A British novelist, a member of the Bloomsbury Group.
1: That's right, and that that came about um, purely by chance. Uh, Rosamond Lehman had no interest in spiritualism uh, until her daughter Sally died of polio. Uh, she and, and Sally and her husband were living in Java at the time, and uh, the. Th- that was a devastating loss. I think from from within a, a week or two of being uh, diagnosed with polio, Sally died. Uh, and for for Rosamond Lehman, whose books, uh, one was called Dadi- Dusty Answer, I remember, um, were, were 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 bestsellers certainly, but they also were very influential. Uh, at the time in the, in their willingness to explore all sorts of social, uh, relationships, if you like. Uh, and so for, 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 for Rosamond, it was suddenly she was thrust into a situation where she just didn't know how to cope. But fortunately, a member of the famous Sitwell family, who were also writers, um, was also the president, or a past president, of the College of Psychic Studies in London. Now she, when she heard that Rosamond's daughter had passed on, sent her a letter and said, "You really should go and see Ina Twig." And a sitting was booked, and uh, Rosamond went. Uh, I don't know whether she had high hopes or not, but it was a very evidential sitting. Sally gave. Lots of interesting information, including Ina Twigg said, I don't know, I don't understand why, but she's showing me uh, the war god. <clears throat> now, the, the name of the war god is uh, Wotan. Have I got that right, or is it Wogan? I'm trying to remember which is which. Is which. But, in fact, Sally's father, who had separated from Rosamond Lehman, many years before his name was the name that she was giving um so i think it was i think it was wogan
0: that's that's right wotan is the war god
1: right so um f- for for rosamund that was there was no way that ina could have known that or or researched it and besides which i'm not sure she even knew who rosamund Lehman was when the sitting uh, was booked and so Rosamond Lehman went on, uh, I think her very next book that she wrote was about her spiritual, uh, the spiritual revelations of discovering that there, that life continued after death, that she'd been able to speak to her daughter Sally uh, through a medium. And uh, she then did everything she could to help other people. Uh, one of the other people in, in the book I wrote medium rare tells the story of having a letter from rosamond um, when she when she um, i think rosamond had learned that this lady 's son had died on a motorbike. she contacted them uh, the the woman i think wasn 't really in favor of sitting with a medium, but she decided to go and got wonderful evidence. I I interviewed her and included that material in the book as well. So um, Rosamond Lehman then went on to develop automatic writing. So this is where her hand is controlled and spirits write through it. And Sally uh, began writing through her mother's hand and she and another uh, writer, uh, automatic writer, Collaborated on a book, and it was called "Letters from Sally." Now, from a skeptical point of view, one would argue that probably most of what was given through uh, Rosamond Lehman's hand by Sally was something that Rosamond would have known as well. Um, but uh, we can argue about that. Uh, there'll be skeptics, and there will be believers, and. All that matters is for Rosamond Neiman, she was uh, so impressed with the evidence for spiritualism and Ina Twigg's mediumship in particular, she, that she just made herself available to help promote spirit truths as widely as possible.
0: Now we should get into the story of Bishop James Pike. And it's interesting that you, you referred to this uh, canon whom, whom you know, uh, Pierce Higgins, I think, uh, who refused to uh, acknowledge all of the articles of faith of the Anglican Church. And Bishop Pike, as I recall, was similar in that regard he was uh, one of his famous quotes was uh, we have too many beliefs and not enough belief
1: yes uh, yes there was a lot in common between him and Callum Pearson Higgins and indeed Mervyn Stockwood as well I would say um, although uh, the Bishop of Southwark was because of his position I think was was less uh, publicly critical of some, some beliefs. But, yep, uh, Pierce Higgins risked being thrown out of the church when he said what he did, but um, he, he was adamant that, uh, one of the things he, d- he refused to sign up to in the Christian belief was the, the fact that, that Jesus went to heaven w- with his flesh and bones. He said, you know, he, went, he would have gone as a spirit uh, like like the rest of us. Um, but certainly, um, Pierce Higgins was instrumental in helping Callum, uh, sorry, uh, Bishop Pike uh, get the evidence that came um, from his son. And the story, it might be well known by people hearing this discussion, but basically, uh, Bishop Pike was invited by Mervyn Stockwood to give uh, a talk at a convention of British clergymen uh, in, in Essex. Um, and he invited Pike to, to talk about his own, as an Episcopalian, what his beliefs were, which were very much the same as the Anglican uh, belief here in the UK. Um, and so he, he did, he, had, he talked about uh, generally what his beliefs were. And his son Jim um, came with him, but they stayed in a in a flat in Cambridge while they were visiting England. And then Jim flew back to the States, um, and sadly and tragically, uh, checked into a hotel in New York. He bought a gun and he committed suicide. And that was obviously absolutely devastating for for Canon uh, for, for Bishop Pike. Um, And it was Canon Pierce Higgins, I think, who suggested that he have a sitting uh, with Ina Twig. In the meantime, uh, Bishop Pike and people that were with him on the trip to the UK uh, began noticing very strange things that were happening uh, in the apartment. uh, And they took them to be signs from Jim that he was still around and that his spirit was there Uh, and they actually drew up a list of 55 different items uh, that they couldn't explain, that they thought were not normal happenings. Um, So but eventually uh, um, a sitting was arranged with, with Ina. Pierce Higgins drove Bishop Pike to Acton for the sitting and he, he was there and made copious notes of what was said. Uh, it was extremely evidential, um, and I got to meet Bishop Pike um, probably about a year after that event, and Pierce Higgins incidentally shared all his notes with me in the preparation of the book I was writing, um, and Bishop Pike confirmed uh, that there were things that uh, his son had told him that Ina Twigg just could not have known or or guessed. Um, So he was totally convinced that uh, uh, his son had lived on. And one of the other communicators was Paul Paul Tillich, who was a theologian who was greatly respected by the Episcopalians generally, and by Pike in particular. And I think uh, Tillich wrote a foreword to one of Bishop Pike's book and he communicated uh, through Inner Twig as well. Uh, and he happened to be the godfather of Jim, who had committed suicide. There were, so there were meaningful links uh, between those communications.
0: Of course Bishop Pike at this point famously gave up his position as as the bishop of California in order to pursue his studies of uh, spiritualism and and develop new theology and of course he was already a very liberal theologian to begin with
1: That's right uh, and psychical research was one of the things he wanted to explore in much greater depth so uh, so he had the freedom to do that uh, uh, outside the confines of the church. Uh, he was also very interested in, in researching some of the origins of the church and the church's teachings. So he went off uh, to the Holy Land to look for uh, more evidence uh, with uh, with his wife Diane. and. Uh, uh, that, sadly, is uh, where the story for him comes to an end in this life, um, and uh, but it became a very important headline-grabbing uh, story for newspapers around the world.
0: Well, and before his tragic death in, in Israel, he and uh, Diane Kennedy, who hadn't yet uh, become his wife, co-authored uh, a book called The Other Side. It was a bestseller uh, in the United States, probably around the world. and It it documented a range of his uh, spiritualist communications with his son and with Paul Tillich, and not just through Ena T- Twig, but through through uh,
1: other mediums as well. That's right. Um, Arthur Ford was one of them. And he, in fact, uh, had a TV uh, reading from Ford, um, which caused, again, more headlines around the world. Uh, there are some questions about the, the how accurate that was or h- how much Arthur Ford might have known in advance. Uh, And I think it's reasonable to have those doubts. I have those doubts every time I see a medium on television because I've been involved in some television programs myself and I know how much the the people behind the scenes are looking for the right result. And uh, uh, the only evidential sitting as far as I'm concerned is one that happens in private and preferably without the medium even knowing who it is they're going to sit for. Uh, before the before the the sitter arrives. So, um, but yes, uh, I mean Bishop Pike probably did more for spiritualism um, in many respects uh, than the the many other mediums and spiritualists uh, of his time. But it was just it, his story was so. Um, I think a lot of people empathized with him because there are so much in the teachings that people find hard to believe. Spiritualist teachings seem to be more uh, rational, if you like. Um, and at the end of the day, uh, uh, my belief is that we will all pass on, we'll all find ourselves in another world. And the teachings uh, that you you absorb or uh, associate with on this uh earth plane, you probably have to uh, change your feelings about those once you, once you get there. So, but that's, that's another, another discussion point, I think. Mean.
0: There's a wonderful story in Bishop Pike's book, The Other Side, that uh, I think is worth mentioning. Uh, it, during his session with Ina Twigg, she told him that he should reach out to the Spiritual Frontiers Fellowship. And uh, he asked her about it when she came out of trance and she said, I don't remember anything I said, I was in trance. But uh, that phrase stuck in his mind and after he left his uh, a position as Bishop of California, and uh, he took a position with a think tank in Santa Barbara. That was going to allow him to pursue his studies. And while he was in the town of Santa Barbara, California, he, he did some research to try to connect with the Spiritual Frontiers Fellowship. And he, he got a member of the fellowship on the phone who, and he, so he's on the phone and he said, hello, this is Bishop Pike. And the fellow said, Oh, I'm so glad you called me. Cause if you hadn't, I would have called you. And uh, Bishop Pike said, well, why would you have called me? And and the fellow said, well, your son is here and he's been badgering me to get a hold of you.
1: <laughs> yes, I, I've often been intrigued as to who that person was. I mean, I have had a long association with William Rauscher, who I think was the president of the Spiritual Frontiers Fellowship, and... Uh, um, uh, uh, over many years and and he's written some very interesting books so but it may well have been one of his colleagues that was was doing it but it rather intimates there was a sort of a concerted effort by Jim Pike to uh, communicate with his father through a variety of different ways
0: Now let's talk about the uh, situation where Bishop Pike is in Israel, and uh, with Diane Kennedy Pike, whom he married after uh, they wrote the book together, uh, *The Other Side*, and uh, they get lost in the in the desert.
1: And everybody was wondering what had happened. I mean, they'd, they'd gone, they weren't very well prepared for a trip into the desert, that has to be said. I think they only had a liter of water or something and they just assumed they could follow a road around and uh, whatever, but they suddenly found they were in the middle of a desert, the road ran out, and uh, they had very little water, very little fuel by then, I should think, as well. Um, and in the end, uh, Diane decided she needed to go and try and find help and, uh, and Bishop Pike remained with, with the car. Uh, and that became headline news again around the world, um, people wanting to know the latest on, uh, on him. And I had a call from Ina Twig at, uh, at that time to say that she had had a message from James uh, Pike, Bishop Pike um, and I said you mean a spirit message uh, has he passed and she said we think he has but he's, he could just be midway it could just be he's in a, in a really poor way uh, and hopefully they'll find him and she said we've got it on tape come over and listen so I went over Uh, immediately she lived in West London it was about a 25 minute train journey from from the office of psychic news Um, I listened to the tape and what was what was said and she described she said what happened she said I feel very strongly that he's very near to death but I I feel he's tried to climb up he's been trying to climb up the cliff or something which didn't sound to me as if that was very a very likely explanation I thought he's more likely to uh, just lie down in the shade of the car uh, waiting for someone to come and rescue him Uh, but I understand that when his body was eventually found uh, and there were signs that I think the autopsy reckoned that he had been trying to climb to, to get a vantage point up uh, from, w- from where the car was. Um, so, uh, but certainly Ina Twig seemed to be confirming that his, he had passed on before his body w- was found. Um, and quite quickly she was getting communications from him. And I know Diane, as soon as she could come to London, had sittings uh, with Ina and uh, she was able to speak to him again. Through him. And I got to see Diane probably a year or two later when she was in London and uh, was able to get more information about that period. And she herself wrote a book about those experiences as well. So there's an awful lot of record about uh, uh, what happened to them and uh, Ina Twiggs' involvement throughout.
0: Yes, this all occurred, as I recall, back in 1967. And I uh, remember it well. This was all over the uh, the television news. It, it was
1: the big story of the day at the time. Absolutely. And uh, Bishop Pike's name wasn't that well known here um, until probably until Bishop, uh, the Bishop of Southwark began to refer to him as well. And then uh, the newspapers and the TV pick, picked up the story and it became an international story as well. Um, but the, the psychic elements were usually included, I think, in all those stories, which was quite an achievement, really. Um, some of them were skeptical, inevitably, Um, But at least it showed that a bishop of his standing was prepared to have sittings with mediums and also was was able to declare that he had been uh, Had received evidence from his dead son. So it remains one of the best uh, uh, stories related to religious outlook on spiritualism uh, that there has been in the last century, I would say.
0: And as I recall, uh, Bishop Pike did fall. Uh, I think they said he he fell from a a cliff some 60, 70 feet and died instantly.
1: I can see now as we're talking, I can picture Ina Twig actually standing up and demonstrating how she'd felt he was clambering up. Uh, And so she'd actually got that spot on.
0: How would you evaluate her career at this point? You uh, must have uh, interviewed and known dozens if not hundreds of uh, British mediums. Uh, I, I have to imagine that
1: she ranks among the very best. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, I mean she she was a good friend. She was she was a lovely lady. She was a bubbly lady. She was very talkative and um, we always, if the phone went in the office at Psychic News and the operator said, oh, Ina Twig would like a word with you, um, your heart sank because you knew you wouldn't get off the phone for at least an hour, you knew that she would tell you that all sorts of wonderful things had been happening to her, but she wouldn't be able to tell you anything, she wouldn't be able to name names, Or give any clues at all but she was just so uh, smitten by her own uh, abilities to be able to put people in touch with their departed relatives she just after sitting she just wanted to tell somebody and and we were often at the at the end of that Um, and as a journalist you know one of the things you learn in the early days is if somebody says I'm going to tell you something but don't tell anybody else you say don't want to hear because I might have to break that if somebody else tells me the same and I publish it you'll think I'm repeating what you've told me Uh, so you know we found ourselves in a difficult situation but she was she was uh, she was very very good very very kind Uh, she actually uh, officiated at my wedding Uh, She was a minister of uh, uh, spiritualism so she was able to do that Um, and uh, she was always good fun to be with. She was voted the spiritualist of the year at one of the psychic news dinner dances and she was um, certainly somebody that other mediums looked up to. Uh, and one of the turning points for her, I think, was to give up platform work, as I said earlier, and just confine herself to giving sittings to people that, that were in need. And usually she would only take people that were recommended by those that she could trust. And one of those people were, was Paul Beard, who was the uh, the president of the College of Psychic Studies in London. Um, I knew him very well, Uh, he sent many people to Ina uh, and and wrote uh, a tribute to her in my book as well. Um, But every every medium is different, every medium has a different way of working. Um, All I can say is that from everything I saw and heard about Ina uh, and the sort of caliber of the people that were giving that testimony. Uh, there is no doubt that she was one of the best uh, clairvoyance, clairaudience uh, that that we've had uh, certainly in the last uh, 50 years or so and we've had plenty of very good mediums but there is something about the quality of her, her work that makes her stand out I understand she lived very modestly yes she lived in she and Harry lived in a uh, a, a house, in a, a terrace of houses in in West London. Uh, her front garden had some beautiful rose bushes and if I had arranged to go and see her, um, incidentally I never ever had a sitting with her, uh, I never had any evidence from her um, and I think we were both accepting of the fact that I'd had enough evidence in the past that she wasn't going to waste her talents on me and i didn't need any more confirmation of uh, of, a, of spirit communication so uh, we just uh, enjoyed a cup of tea which harry usually brought in on a trolley uh, and then disappeared while we chatted about uh, whatever i'd gone there to to see her about but she loved her garden in the, and she was usually um, just pruning a rose bush or, or Tending to something or the other when when I arrived. Um, so, yep, very uh, just a very ordinary person. And if you bumped into her in the street or in the supermarket or on a bus, you wouldn't wouldn't think there was anything unusual about her at all, unless of course she turned around and gave you a message but I don't know that she ever did that <laughs> she was very, it, she she worked in the confines of the home and and the room as I say she called it her sitting room and that had like a special power for her I think
0: Now at, at some point though I gather she did become something of a celebrity on television
1: Not the celebrity in the way that you see today where you have celebrities and I mean, I see lots of celebrity programs advertised on television here in England, and I look at their faces, and I haven't got a clue who they are because uh, they're they're minor celebrities. Um, Ina Twigg was a celebrity in as far as if a television producer wanted to produce a program about spiritualism and mediumship, she would be one of the first people that the researchers would contact and I'm pleased to say that she did uh, usually agree to do so. So she was quite happy to sit in the studio um, and be, be quizzed about her powers um, and, and pretty well, uh, op- I'm not sure that she would ever I'm trying to remember whether she ever gave a, a, a message on television. She might do. She might have done. I'll need to go back through my cuttings. Uh, uh, but certainly, she was a, a go-to uh, spiritualist and medium for anyone that wanted somebody that could talk sense and uh, and produce evidence as well.
0: Yeah, I seem to recall from your book that occasionally the television interviewers would, would have an object of some sort that belonged to a particular person and they would show it to her on camera and ask her to uh, contact the owner of the object or say something about the object.
1: That's right, it's called psychometry and it's picking up information about uh a person that would have owned or possessed that object and that was usually a good way of uh, getting into I, I think there was a problem anyway at that time f- from f- religious forecasting that a medium couldn't actually claim to be giving a message from somebody who had passed on so it had to be a little bit cloak and dagger if you like in terms of the way it was presented and psychometry uh, was a way of doing that. So she wasn't claiming that she had the spirit standing next to her in the TV studio. It was more um, that she could uh, pick up things about the person um, from an object that, that they that had belonged to them. Those laws changed in time, and eventually uh, Ina Twig was able to give uh, spirit messages um, to a live audience in a television studio. And another medium, uh, Jessie Nason uh, did the same uh, both in England and in Ireland. Um, so that was quite a breakthrough for, for spiritualism. Uh, but, and Ina was part of, part of that, yes. She had really paved the way for those uh, developments in, in television communication.
0: Well, Roy Stemmman, this has been a fascinating conversation. Once again, you are such a wealth of knowledge. I'm so happy to be able to share your experiences with our viewers. And, uh, of course, I want to let them know that we plan to do even more. Uh, we're beginning to it, it, it tap the yeah, uh, wealth of material that you uh, have. It's so important to share it with the public at large. Roy, thank you once again for being with me today.
1: Thanks, Jeff. I'm pleased to have been able to to share a little bit of what I can remember. (laughs) Thank you.
0: And for those of you watching or listening, thank you for being with us.